Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So glad that you made it. We're ending our series that we've been in. This is the fourth week now called Come Follow Me. And in this series, we've been talking about the greatest call ever given to mankind. The greatest calling. And calling, when we hear calling, when we think about callings, a lot of times we picture the stuff that we do. Right? I'm called to be a, a lawyer. I'm called to be a dentist. I'm called to be a small group leader in the church. I'm called to be an evangelist. And, and we have all of these things in our mind. And though there's a lot of truth to them, those things are secondary to the primary calling. The primary calling that God has given us is the fact that he called flawed, n- normal individuals to be his followers, that God came in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, and called mere mortals to be his followers. And I want to read to you what that that moment was like in the Bible in just a moment, and we've read it every single week, but that is the primary calling. It has come and follow me. And that's really what we focused on the first three weeks of this message. But there's a second part of this calling that I do, I don't want us to neglect because it is very important to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, for three years, the disciples, who were not just the 12 apostles, the disciples, men and women, followed Jesus. And they watched how he lived his life. They watched the works that he did. They watched his actions, his mannerisms, how he he honored God, how he showed God to them. And what's really encouraging to me is I love the details of the Bible because the Bible is just raw. It's just honest. It's truthful about people and circumstances. It doesn't glorify its heroes. It tells you they're good and it tells you they're bad. And one of the things I like about reading the Bible is reading the stories of the disciples, you get to see the dysfunction within those people that were following Jesus. Now, if you missed our message last week on spiritual family, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It was a message that I hope gives you a different perspective on this thing called the church. It's not a performance. It's not a business. The church at its best is a family. That's what the church is. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what Jesus intended for it to be. But within this family, a lot of times there's drama. There's conflict. There's problems. There's I don't like you. That's why I never liked you anyways. Right? And I love reading the Bible because the Bible tells us about the disciples and some of their conflicts with one another and some of their pulling Jesus aside, trying to one-up the one behind or the fight. Who, I'm, who's going to be the greatest? No, I'm going to be the greatest. Right? And I love how in one of these scenarios in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, listen, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Beware of these things that creep in and can contaminate all that I'm trying to do. And the disciples don't understand it, so they start fighting with one another. 
Jesus is mad at us because we forgot the bread. John, you were supposed to get the bread. It's your fault. Shut up, Peter. You're always talking. And then just, they had conflict. They had issues. And that's encouraging for me to hear because guess what? Though they're not right, though we're not right, God still used them anyway. He wasn't into them. He didn't need them to to be perfect in all of their actions. What he needed them to be is complete in their devotion to him. And so in our next series, just a quick plug for that, next week we're going to be beginning a series called Relationships XO. And we're going to be talking about marriage relationships. We're going to be talking about friendship relationships. We're going to talk about what it means to, to interact with people and how to do it God's way. So if you're here and you're like, Pastor, my marriage needs some help, come next week. Come for the, commit to come for the next four weeks. My relationships need help, commit to come for the next four weeks because we want to teach you relationships God's way. Is that good, everybody? Y'all with me? Now back to the disciples. Again, for three years, they were learning directly from Jesus. But the calling that he gave them did not stop with come and follow me. There was another part. As a matter of fact, let's read it. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Simon would later be called Peter. Throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's getting ready to launch it, and one of the first things that he does is he gathers those disciples that are going to follow him. And he says to them, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now I like the way the English Standard Version says this. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you, I will mold you, I will empower you, I will show you how to become fishers of men. You thought your purpose was only in your job. You thought your purpose was in your occupation. But I'm getting ready to completely flip that around. And you're still going to be fishermen, but you're going to fish for men. And I'm going to mold you into that. And listen, it's so easy to forget the and in that calling. And it's so easy to focus on just the stuff that we do instead of the first part. You can go on either extreme of this, this, you can go to either side of the coin here. But Jesus has truth for us that I want you to hear. So the first extreme that we can go to is, man, I just, I've I, I just I fallen in love with, with doing the work of the ministry, and I just love doing all of this stuff for God. And you can do so much for God that you never actually do anything with God. That you're so busy from getting the good feelings, you get the free songs from doing all of the good stuff for God, but then God's up there saying, I didn't ask you to do that. And you get burned out and you go to church, burn me out. No, we didn't. At At any given point, You could have stepped back into doing what God's called you to do instead of trying to do something that pleases everybody else. That's how people get burned out. I got to please everybody. I got to make every person happy or or let me neglect what's most important in my life because of the feeling that I get from doing this. And we can get so committed to that that we stop doing things with God. We can lose our first love like the book of Revelation talks about. Doing all of the stuff that looks right, 
But God knows our heart and that our heart is far from him. He knows that. But conversely, there's the flip side of that. And let me, let me point this out as well, though, because I think this needs to be said. As we're just following Jesus and we're just getting to know Jesus, we're learning how to actually be. We're learning how to actually live. We're learning what our lives were intended to be like. Because through the lens of sin, look up here, don't miss this. Through the lens of sin, all you've seen is a corrupt picture of what life is supposed to be. The life that you saw before Christ is not what life was supposed to be. It's not how he designed it to be. And we see it through the lens of my hurt and my pain and my sin and my guilt and my shame and my addictions and my issues. That's not what Jesus wants us to see. As we follow him, we get to learn what life is like. He provided a functional model, a perfect picture of what humanity is supposed to be like. And the disciples got to see that every day for three to three and a half years. They learned how he, they got to see how he loved people. They got to see how he thought about things. They even got to see how he denied his flesh. Did you know Jesus had flesh? Did you know Jesus was tempted by things? Some of you need to know that. Jesus was tempted by things the same way that you are. That's one of the many things that qualifies him to be our high priest, to go to God and say, give him another chance because he knows what your temptations are like. And it's important for you to know this. It is not a sin to be tempted. Because some of you walk in and I had this temptation and I feel horrible and I feel bad because I'm tempted by this. Let me tell you one of the many things that everyone in this room shares, temptation. And you may look at the person next to you and see their temptation and go, whoo, I don't want that. But guess what? Someone would equally look at yours and go, whoo, I don't want that. We all have them. Temptation is not sin. Giving into temptation is sin. That's, that's sin. And as you're following Jesus, you're learning how to deny yourself. You're learning how to not give into that sin. You're learning how to not give into those wrestling mas- matches. Let me tell you something about being a Christian, about being a follower of Jesus. And I said this in the last service. I'm going to say it a little bit differently this time. It's like... Some of you have heard this analogy. It's like a flea in a, a, a jar. If you put a flea in a jar and you put the lid on tight, that flea is going to try very hard to get out of that lid. And it's going to consistently hit its head until it stops hitting its head. It's going to jump just far enough that it doesn't feel the pain of hitting its head anymore. It gets conditioned. Its mind gets conditioned to this is what life is like. Being a believer... Jesus sets us free from sin. He delivers us from the power of sin. That's what the word of God tells us. That's why we have to go through the process of having our minds renewed. Because in our minds, we've lived our lives so conditioned to being bound to sin that we won't jump beyond that lid even when the lid has come off. When Jesus set you free, he took the lid off. And some of us are so conditioned. I can only, I'm always going to deal with this. I'm always going to have this thought pattern. I'm always going to react like this. My family reacts like this. This is in my bloodline. Can I tell you something? Jesus has given you new spiritual bloodlines. He's given you new spiritual. New spiritual bloodlines. And his word says, 
Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. His word says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. All things have become new. His word says this, that you are no longer a slave to sin. You are now a slave to righteousness. And as you follow Jesus, you learn what it means to take that lid off and then jump out of that jar. That's what comes from following Jesus, being committed to learning him and learning his ways and being a follower. But that's, there's another extreme. Another extreme that we can easily fall into is you become great followers. We become fantastic at following and, and learning how to pray and you become a person of prayer and you become a person of the word and you, become, you gather, you, you say no to some of those bad influences and now you only hang out with godly Christian people that are filling your cup and it's amazing, but you neglect the second part of that calling. When he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You never fish for men. You never take that step of building what's so precious to Jesus, his kingdom. And some of us, and I'm gonna get to this later on in the message, would say, I don't wanna be used, Pastor Gabe. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You don't want to be misused. And some of you have been in the place where you've been misused, and I'm not talking about that. But we can go, I just don't want to be, I don't want, I don't want to do anything else for the church. I don't want to do anything else for God's kingdom. I don't want to do anything else for the church. I, don't want to, I, just, I just want to love God and go to heaven. Okay, that's fantastic, and I believe that to be the case. But if you are a follower, you do what the person leading you does. That's what followers do. They follow they do what the leader has, pre- has showed them, has modeled for them. But you're saying, I don't want to be used. Let me give you an example. Let's say you are a five-star high school athlete, and you're going to play for an incredible football coach, great college coach. You want to be used. You want to use everything that has been gifted to you in the game. God's kingdom is the same way. He has gifted you. He's provided for you. Some of you, God has put incredible gifts inside of you that are lying dormant right now because you've refused to just follow him in this way as well. God wants to use your life. Jesus invested in his disciples knowing that one day he was going to go away and he was going to give the responsibility of changing the world, of saving humanity, he was going to hand this responsibility over to his followers. And can I just tell you, he hasn't changed. There is no plan B. There's no plan B in God's kingdom. It's not like God's going, okay, well, if the church doesn't do it, I'm going to use the government. Thank God that's not the case. He's not saying, I'm going to use this community agency. And listen, and I believe in all of those things. I believe God can use them. I believe that God can. But he gifts them and he uses them. But his primary use for changing the world is the church of Jesus Christ. And it's the church that influences those entities. It's the church that adds the kingdom to those environments or to those places. The church. That's God's plan A, that's God's plan B, that's God's all the way to plan Z. The church. 
This is what the church from the very beginning looked like as well. Another scripture that I've read to you every week, I want to read to you again, Acts chapter 2. The birthday of the church, the, on the day of Pentecost, the beginning of the church, when 3,000 people were saved in that moment. This is what the church looked like in that day. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy. I said this before, but you, some of you need to find joy again in your life. And one of the ways you need to find it again is with spiritual family, with people that can encourage you, with people that can lift you up and be there for you, that don't tear you down when you have something to celebrate, but they celebrate with you. And he shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Did you catch that? Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What does that mean? It means every day people were getting saved. Every day people were born, being born again and beginning to follow Jesus. Every day the church was growing. And I believe in growing the church. Not for the sake of the church having whatever the world deems as success, but because it's important to God. People say, well, I'm not about numbers. Okay, every number represents a person's life that's been changed. Well, I don't think God's in the numbers. Are you kidding me? He has a whole book named after it. God is into numbers. God's into people's lives being changed. If Jesus came to save people, then guess what? People matter. And that means that if he wants people to be saved and he wants people to come into his kingdom, as they do, the church of Jesus Christ globally grows. That's what he wants. Now, why did the church grow? Because the disciples took Jesus' words seriously. They believed that he actually meant what he said when he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They believed him. As a church, I want us to believe him. I want us to believe that God actually has a significant plan for your life. That God wants to empower you to build his kingdom right where you're at in the sphere of influence that he's given you. And I'm going to talk about that more in a moment. But we've talked about the, one of the first things that they heard Jesus say, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now I want you to hear one of the last things Jesus said. How I many you know the first thing that someone tells you is vitally important, so is the last thing. And this is one of the last things that he said in Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples, 11 because Judas was no longer part of them. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is after the death, after the resurrection, and right before his ascension back into heaven. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven, in earth, excuse me, in heaven and on earth. Let me pause there for a moment because what's quickly becoming one of my favorite scriptures is in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We're not going to put it up. 
But in Ephesians chapter 1, it says something so powerful. And when I, when I really saw this, it's not left me since. It says this, that Jesus is the head of the church. It says that all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So if he's the head of the church, that makes us the body of Christ. The head has the authority, but who performs the actions that the head commands? It's the body. And guess who's the body? You. And you don't have to have pastor or prophet or evangelist in front of your name to be a part of the body of Christ. You already are. You already are. And that means that he wants to use his body, us, to function in a manner that executes his will in the earth. Why? He's been given the authority already. He's been given the power already. And he will grant it to us to glorify his name. That is who we are. And I hope you get this. I hope you see this. Because church is much more than coming and listening. Churches where we come and high-five and celebrate and encourage one another, and we go out and we still are the church. And that's really what I'm talking about, but let's keep going. He says this. This is what he commands them. This is called the great commission or co-mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a few very important things I want you to see, but I'm going to work my way backwards. One, he said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Do you know something that should be very important in your journey of following Jesus? It's the fact that we are very confident in this. One day he's coming back. And I don't think we talk about it all the time. Some, some people, you may talk about it too much, trying to figure out the day. By the way, if you listen to any preacher who told you this is when Jesus is coming back, stop listening to them. Just stop. Well, I don't know, there's this pastor, he's in Mississippi, and he said that, that this is going to happen because of the blood moon. Shut up. When Jesus was on the earth, even he said, I don't know when this is coming. Now, this is when he was on the earth. He said, I don't know when the, the son doesn't even know, only the father. So if Jesus didn't know, when, what makes you think that Pastor Junebug <laughs> knows when Jesus is coming? We, we don't. But what I do know is that he is. And no man knows the day, no man knows the hour. And what I am very confident in is that we're closer today than we were yesterday. And that's where our hope is. Even when life is hard, that's where our hope is. One day we will see him and we will be like him. Are y'all with me? Yes. So don't act like that's just a something. No, 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 that's our hope. Yeah. One day we're going to be with him for eternity. And he tells us that we're going to physically be with him. But he tells us, guess what? I'm still with you. While you're doing this work, while you're doing what I've called you to do, I am with you even to the end of the age. But then he tells them, he also tells them, 
He doesn't say go build beautiful cathedrals. He doesn't say get the best sound system and best production team and best. All of those things are important and I'm not knocking them. But what he told them to do is go and make disciples. That was the calling. Everything else may support that and it should support that. But the moment that overlaps the mission, we've missed it. He said, go into all of the world and make disciples. I had a friend that, that texted me something just um, a couple of days ago. He said, Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. Now he wants it back to the way he started it. Go and make disciples. Who was he telling that to? Just the apostles? No, you missed it. To the disciples. Guess what you are? A disciple. He's called us to go into all of the world and make disciples. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But one of the things that in following Jesus that you need to know, Jesus is Mr. Miyagi in you. Come on, how many of y'all remember some old school Karate Kid Part 1? Come on, somebody. Thank you. I told that to the first service and like a few people lift their hand. I'm like, what did y'all watch in the 80s? I'm talking old school wax on, wax off. Right? I'm talking, I want to I learn how to fight. Great. Go paint the fence. Right? Jesus, I mean, Jesus does the same with us. What do I mean? Mr. Miyagi, paint the fence, right? And so after like 495 years, Daniel's finally fed up and he's like, I came here to learn how to fight. He says, paint the fence. I want to paint the fence. Paint the fence. And he does the motion and he punches him and he blocks it. Why? Because the whole time he's been teaching him. The whole time he's been training him. Even when he didn't know he was being trained, he was being trained. For the disciples, for three years, they're watching Jesus, and they don't really know what's going on, but they're being trained the whole time. As you're praying and you're reading your word, you're being trained. God has purpose attached to your life. Even when you don't even see, listen, even when you're going through things, even when you're, you're, you're hurting and you're wrestling with God, God wastes nothing. And you don't see it now, but years from now, you may be sitting across the table talking to someone and sharing with them about everything that you went through, and it's exactly what they're going through right now, and you now know how to get them out of it. He wastes, he wastes nothing. God wastes nothing. But keep following because he's training you, he's teaching you. He's equipping you. And, and I want to talk about that just for a moment. What's the process of discipleship look like? So here's some very simple language to go with. It's not exhaustive, but I want to help you get you started with what the process of being a disciple looks like. Number one is being engaged, engagement. You came to church, you started following Jesus because someone engaged you. Someone invited you. Someone shared their faith with you. Someone told you they were praying for you, and that sparked something, and you had to be engaged. You were invited to a small group, whatever the event might have been, whatever it was. But by the way, I believe that the heart that God wants our church to have is that he's giving us the spirit of evangelism, and he's giving us the spirit of discipleship. 
He's rekindling that in the body because it's so important. So utilize the moments that we provide for you to invite people, for you to evangelize and help bring people to the faith. What do you mean? Days like when we do, and not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're doing football Sunday. How many of y'all love when we do football Sunday? Some of you are like, what is that? Let me, I'll tell you. Once a year, we do a football Sunday, normally on Super Bowl Sunday, where we bring in athletes. We brought in coaches from around the area. We brought in UL players. We're going to bring in different, we brought Saints players in the past. Where they come and they just, believers, they share their faith with us. And we invite football coaches from all over the area. We have probably five or six committed to come already on the 11th. And so that's the moment where I, I encourage everybody to wear their favorite jersey unless it's Alabama. <laughs> right? And as I picked with Kenny, who's an Alabama fan, that's really not even relevant anymore now that Nick Saban's going, so it doesn't even really matter. But, but just in case. <laughs> so, right, but I encourage you to do that. And that's a great moment for you to invite someone to come to church that may never have darkened the doors of the church before. But they'll come to football Sunday. They'll come, they'll come whenever we have a friends and family day. And people are, are making gumbo out there and, and connecting with one another. They'll come for that. Or they'll come for summer at OSC or Mother's Day or Easter. Or but my point is this. We set up these moments so that you can go and be the church and evangelize and share your faith and bring people into faith in Christ. That's why we do that. There's the process of being engaged. Remember, someone did that for you. Someone did that for you. The second part of that process is very simple. It's being established. Being established in the faith. That's where you're Mr. Miyagi. That's where God's training you and teaching you and developing you. And when, I, when I'm saying established... What I'm talking about is what we've talked about in this Come Follow Me series. One of the things that I'm, I want you as a disciple to be established in is established in the Word of God. Right? Learning how to hear God's voice through reading the text of Scripture. Learning His heart, what's important to Him. And as you're learning those things, guess what's happening? Your mind is now being renewed. Remember, the jar is coming off and you're learning, I can jump out of this. Because the man who created me, the God who created me, has now created me to be out of this jar. So I don't have to be stuck in here anymore. Where do you get that? From being established in the Word of God. You're also established in prayer. It's where you're learning how to pray. You're learning how to have a relationship with God. People say all the time, I have a relationship with Jesus, but you haven't talked to him unless you were praying over your food since 1992. But you're learning how to interact and hear his voice and talk to him about what's important. Hear his heart, talk to him about what's important to your heart. That's prayer. You're being established in it. Like we talked about last week, you're being established in godly community, Christian spiritual family. That's why it's so important to gather together. Yesterday, I was so blessed. I was, went to, I'm not going to say the names because I want y'all all going to the house. But... <laughs> They did a rib cook-off yesterday just for people in our church to come and get to know each other and connect, and it was great. I was a judge. I had like seven or eight ribs. God was all up in that. All up in it. Right? And it was just, it was spiritual family. Listen to me. Outside of this, the four walls of this church coming together and being spiritual family. 
right? We become established in that, and we learn who our people are, right? That's, that's being established in those things. And you may be wondering, how do I do that? Here's some, we, we set up very practical ways for you to do that, some very simple ways that you can join a small group. Yeah. Next week is going to be small group Sunday. We're gonna, you're going to have hear about different, excuse me, small groups, and you have the opportunity to get in one and connect with one. And if you get in one that you don't like, go to another one. But just find spiritual family that you can connect with. We do that through freedom. We do, we do that through a thing that we have called the gold book, where someone takes you through the process of learning the, the foundations of the faith. We, I encourage you, nobody needs to go through the gold book by yourself. I encourage you to have someone take you through it, walk you through it, or our one-to-one book. That's discipleship, and that's helping you become established in these things. Here's the third part of that process, being equipped. Being equipped. You can do that throughout going to our intros, intros to next steps, intro to serve, where you're learning about yourself and you're learning about the vision and the different areas that you can take a step to actually serve in the church or get connected with people. There's something, listen, I've learned this, we're probably going to talk about this in the marriage series, but I've, I've, I've heard this and this isn't, uh, this is a generalization. Most women, you guys connect this way, right, face to face. Guys, that's not really our thing. We connect like this, side by side. We have to do something together. And you wonder why there's so many ladies connected in our church, because they're doing this. But so many of our guys, y'all aren't connected. Why? Because you haven't taken the time to do this. You haven't taken the time to build anything together. You haven't taken the time to do anything together. But when you do, you connect. We, we provide these opportunities so you can. That's one of the many reasons why we have these, these things. But I'm going to keep going. Learning to be equipped, learning to walk with people and learn how. Even going back to prayer for a moment, that's how the disciples learned how to pray. They watched Jesus pray. They watched him talk to God. And for some of you that don't know how to pray, you need to be in relationship with someone that does because you can watch them and you can ask them questions. You can, uh, how, how do you pray? What do you pray about? What do you do that? That's all a part of the journey of being established and equipped in following Jesus. Let's keep going. And the last one is very important for you to know. God, in the process of being discipled, you need to know that God will empower you. God will empower you to build his kingdom. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you everything that you need to be a bold witness for him. And our church will back you and say, do it, go get it. Go build his kingdom. And some of you may say, someday, Pastor, I'll get there. The Apostle Paul when he got saved, he didn't become the Apostle Paul immediately. There was training and equipping and establishing and all of that stuff. But immediately he began to share his faith. As soon as those scales fell from his eye, he went in and started sharing his faith with people so that they can hear it. Some of us are waiting for us to know more one day. You will never know enough. You will never know all that there is to know. Share with people what God has done for you. And what you believe and know he can do for them. Start there. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go there in just a moment. Here's the main point. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the main point of this message. Part of following Jesus is taking on the responsibility of building what he came to build, his kingdom. Part of being his follower, part of being his disciple is doing what he did and pursuing what he came to pursue. The chief end of your life is not make enough money to provide and then die. That's not, that's not the chief aim of your life. God has purpose attached to your life. God has significance attached to your life and it's not found in you getting praise and credit and glory. It's found in him using you to give his life glory and honor and credit. And that's when you come alive. That's when life is fun again. That's when church is fun again. Because for some of you, have been here for so long that when I start telling the story, you're like, oh, I've heard this one. I already know he's going to say this. But church becomes fun again when you've brought somebody with you and you can't wait for me to say it because it's what they need to hear. That's when it's exciting again. Listen, I remember speaking to our men in our, our men's Bible study, which, by the way, is going to be kicking off not this coming week, but the following week. Our Brobish Bible study, all of that's going to be kicking back off along with our small groups. But I remember teaching our men about the Dead Sea in, in the Bible, in Israel. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Literally, it's the lowest, deepest place in all of the earth. Yet it has all of these, this water that comes, the Jordan, all of these things that feed it. But the reason why it's called the Dead Sea is because very little, if anything, can live in the Dead Sea. Why? Because so much comes in it, so much is invested in it, but it has no outlet. So because it has no outlet for everything that's poured into it, all that's in it just dies. And our spiritual journeys are like that sometimes where you're hearing a message and you're watching the YouTube video and you're listening to the podcast and you're in the small group and you've heard it all before. And the problem why it's dead is because you have nothing giving out. You've nobody benefiting from what God has invested in you. So I encourage you, that's not God's plan for you. His plan for us is go and make disciples. And so before I close, I want to give you ways, practical ways that you can do that. And then I want to expose the lies and the reasons why we don't. Here's some very practical things that you can do. Number one, pray for people that you know don't know Jesus. Don't just say, you, don't, you need Jesus. Pray for them to know him. Ask God to open up opportunities for their eyes to be opened. Make a list. I mean, put it in your phone, write it down, literally write it down. I have a list of people in my phone that I pray for that don't know Jesus, that I'm praying that God changes their lives. Secondly, share what Jesus has done in your life with others. Share your testimony. Share the gospel message with others. Some of you, God has already led you to do that, but for fear, you've held on to it. And I'm going to talk about that in just, just a moment. Number two, invite people to church. Invite them to the relationship. If someone's struggling with their marriage, invite them to come to church for the relationship series. Another thing you can do is we have these QR cards in the, in the info center. 
The reason why we have that is so it's a very simple way for you to pull your phone out, scan it on the camera, and it takes you immediately to messages in that series. That's good for you, but it's really an evangelistic tool. Because some of you have had moments where you've encountered God, God's word has really touched you. Give that to somebody else that needs it. Very practical things that you can do. Be loving, welcoming, and serving in this house. People say this all the time about the Broussard campus. They say, man, it feels like a family when I come here. You want to know why it feels that way? Because that's what we are. That's important to us to be that. I mean that. That's important for us to be that. And I remember when I was first taking over as being the lead pastor here. It's my first Sunday as the lead pastor. And I'm standing in the back and I'm just watching everybody worship. And like, God, I can't believe I get to do this. I'm scared to death. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be terrifying. And so I'm standing back there and I remember a, a guest. They had to be a guest because I, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen them before. And, and they were going to hide in the back. And why do people hide in the back? Just in case the snakes break out and they need to get out quickly. Right? That's why people do that. So the, this, this, this family is coming in and they're trying to get into one of those back rows. And this, this woman in our church looked at them and just gave them a look of utter disdain like... I got to move out of the way so you can come sit in this row. And I thought to myself in that moment, we will not be that kind of church. When people come here, I want them to feel loved. I want them to feel welcomed. I don't care if they came from the church across the street or they just came from the bar last night. I do not care. They're going to feel loved here. But guess what? I can't do that by myself. Every one of us share in that responsibility to create the environment that when people come in, we're loving on them. We're checking on them. We're asking them, how long have you been coming? We're asking them, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, is there, did you just move to the air? How can we help? How can we serve? Let me help get you connected. Let me go get you a cup of coffee. That's what families do. Even when it inconveniences you and you have to move out of your precious seat, can I just say that for a moment because I'm going to anyway? You don't have a seat here. You don't have a parking spot here. Yes, I do. I've been here for 20 years. No, you don't. I will physically park in your spot next week. I will literally drive in there and park there and wave. What am I saying? This isn't about you. This is, this is about the family. It's about the family. We share in that responsibility to create a loving, welcoming, serving church. And the last thing that you can do is be a disciple and make disciples. Be a disciple. Be in relationships that you're learning how to follow Jesus. But don't be the Dead Sea. When you've been learning and growing, turn right around and start doing the same for someone else. Well, Pastor, I'm not far enough ahead. Let's get to that at this point. Here's reasons why we don't do those things. I've given you that for every single message in this series, right? And I'm closing. Why we don't pray, why we don't read our Bible, why we don't get in spiritual family. Let's talk about reasons why we don't make disciples. Here's one reason. Or we don't share our faith. 
I don't want to be or look weird. Let me help you. You already are. (laughs) And I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the truth is this. As followers of Jesus, we are weird to the world. We don't share the same values. We don't have the same culture. We're different than the world. That's what draws people in because they see what things are supposed to be like or they're supposed to see what things are supposed to be like in our lives and in our church. You are weird. Embrace that. Now, don't be weird for the sake of being weird. (laughs) Pastor said weird and you come in dressed in unicorns and rainbows next week. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Next reason. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And that one's come up a lot. Let me just say this. You don't have to do everything. I'm just asking you to do what he's asked you to do. I don't want you to burn yourself out trying to be everywhere and do everything every night of the week and all of this. I know there's kids and there's, I, I got them. They're in sports. They're in school. They're driving this. I get it. I'm not asking you to do everything. I'm just asking you to pray about what he wants you to do and do that. And do that. I don't know enough. You will never feel like you know enough. But share what you do know. Here's another one. I'm not good enough. And as I just talked about with the disciples, they weren't good enough. Even after Jesus died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came, Pentecost happened, 3,000 people. After all of that, Peter still got afraid and was sinning against God by pushing people away, afraid of what other people thought about him. You will never be good enough. But here's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He's the one who qualifies you. Well, pastor, I've been burned. I understand that one as well. And I'm so grateful to God for the people that even when I made mistakes, didn't give up on me. Even when I disappointed them, they they didn't give up on me. Or even though they had a bad experience discipling somebody else or somebody that they tried their best to pour their lives into and they would not hear it and they were, thank God they didn't go, I'm done. But they, they saw me and said, let me invest in this young man. Thank God for that. I know some of you have been burned. But get up and keep going. Get up. If even Jesus had a Judas, even Jesus had a Judas, So again, these aren't all reasons, but they're not excuses. God has called you to build his kingdom. God has called you to make disciples. God has called you to share your faith with others. And some of you say, I wish I had Pastor Gabe here to share this with me. God didn't put me there. He put you there. He put you there because you have a sphere of influence that I will never have. And he put you there to share your faith. He put you there to share your story. And guess what? He doesn't make mistakes. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. So as I close, here is that mission that he's given to us as the body. In Matthew 28, one more time, it says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. How do I disciple people? You just teach them what Jesus has taught you. You teach them how to obey the things that Jesus has taught you how to obey. That's how you make disciples. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I'll close with this, the, what I told you was the main point of this whole series. Part of following Jesus, part of following him, of being his committed follower, is taking on the responsibility of building what he came to build, his, his kingdom, reaching people, building lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message that is so important, Jesus, to what you came to establish in the earth. And Lord, I know we have lives that you care about. We have busy schedules that you care about. We have past traumas and woundings that you care about. But I thank you that just like, Lord, we say in freedom that hurt people hurt people, but free people free people. And I pray that you would put it in the, the DNA and the culture and the heart of this body, this, this local expression of your body, that we're going to make disciples. That we're going to be disciples and we're going to make them. And we're going to see this region touched. We're going to see people in Broussard touched. We're going to see people in Brobridge touched. We're going to see people in St. Martinville touched, in Cypress Island, in Catahoula, in New Iberia, in Youngsville. Lord, we thank you. Put within this house what I believe you've promised that you would do, that you would give us the spirit of evangelism, the spirit of discipleship, and help us to see ourselves the way you see us, with your power, not with our limitations. In Jesus' name. Now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I talked a lot about this kingdom that God has called us to. And I even talked about the day that one day the fulfillment of that kingdom will come when Jesus comes back. And here's my question. When he does, if he weren't tomorrow, would you be ready? Would you be ready to meet him? And you know the answer to that question. Jesus is calling first and foremost was follow me. And so I he's extending that to you this morning as well. Come and be my follower. Come and be my disciple. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about being born again. Where there's a line that you cross over and a commitment to follow him. And it's as simple as ABC. A, you admit that you are a sinner. You admit that there is sin in your life, sin in your heart. And that is the sin that separates you from God. But B, you believe that when Jesus came and he died on that cross, he died for your sin so that you could be set free from it, so that you could be freed from the power of darkness. That's why he came. That's why he died. And it wasn't just for the world in a general sense. It was for you. But then see, you confess. What are you confessing? That he rose again from the dead on the third day and that you're, you're confessing your new allegiance to be his follower. And you're saying yes to that calling. Yes, Lord, I will follow you. So that's you. With no one looking around, I want to give you the opportunity today 
to express that commitment, to express the answer to his question to come and follow you. With no one looking around on the count of three, I'm going to ask if that's true and you're making that decision today. I just want you to lift up your hand. I want to know who you are. I want to acknowledge that. And then all of us are going to pray a prayer of surrender to the Lord today. One, two, three. If that's you, lift up your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. See your hand back there. Praise God. Anyone else? Say this. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise God. And you can put him down. Whether you raised your hand or not. And you meant that. Just for a moment, I want you to look up at me. Just those who pray, who are praying this prayer. Just look up at me because I don't want you to ever forget this moment. Mark this in your, your life. Remember my face. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome home. You can close your eyes, bow your heads. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Say these words with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So I turn away from my sin. I repent of it. And I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate God. Welcome to the family of God. I'm going to pray to release you in a moment, but I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, take a next step. Tell someone about the decision that you made and keep coming. Keep learning how to walk this journey out. Next week, Small Group Sunday, I encourage you to come. Also, our prayer team is going to be here up front if you need prayer for anything. But stand to your feet. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I pray for your people, and I pray you bless them. I pray that you make your face to shine on them. I pray you bless them in their going out and in their coming in, and that you would give them peace, that you would give them grace, and that, God, all that they put their hands to for the sake of your kingdom would prosper and be blessed they would go and build your kingdom. Lord, I pray as a church would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord, a powerful church who walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, and a persistent church even in the face of challenges. And all God's people said, amen.